0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to your favorite show of the week. It is Inside the Cage Sports Ball with your man, Jerome Span, and of course, the one and only legendary.
1: You know it's your boy, Mace, here, back ready for some more hot takes.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we know we've been off for a little bit here, but, you know, we had to take care of some things. I know I got the COVID vaccine, I got my first shot, and it did not leave me feeling very great, Um, but, uh you know, it is what it is. Now we are back to entertain you, ladies and gentlemen, as we do each and every week. So, this week we're going to start off with some uh, some of the stories that we may have missed over the last, you know, two weeks since we were off. And I know Mace over here has got some real spicy takes that he's ready to give everybody. Them. So, ladies and gentlemen, why don't we get right into it now? Some things have transpired over the last week here that we I think we should start off with. And that starts with most importantly, Jamal Murray tearing his ACL. Now, Mace, we were we have discussed the Denver Nuggets um the past few shows on this sh- on here. And we have talked about how neither of us truly believed in them being a championship team, right? We were both at the same point where it was like they're really good but they're not a championship team well now Jamal Murray is going down after they seem to be playing extremely good basketball since they had gotten Aaron Gordon so with Jamal Murray going down Mace do you feel like now even their chances of making the Western Conference Finals are completely diminished
1: I don't think it's diminished I've um, had a chance to to watch a few of the games and Aaron Gordon really does kind of complete that team now with Jamal Murray out. They they're missing a big hole on the perimeter, but mm-hmm. I think this gives a a the spotlight is on Jokic now to actually prove why he's the MVP favorite. Mm-hmm. So so I still think they have a chance to make it out of the make it to the Western Conference Finals, not out of the West, but. Um, <coughs> Because I mean, I I don't necessarily believe in the Clippers or or Utah, so I <laughs> we like don't believe in Clippers. Yeah, I feel like as a team, Denver is solid enough if they get the right matchups in the first two rounds to <laughs> make. It.
0: So you feel like yeah, their ability to play team basketball and having still with Aaron Gordon and Jokic still having a somewhat high level of talent, right? You still think that they can outplay the other teams out West, but when it comes down to um, actually winning the championship and being, you know, the team that comes out of the West, you don't think that's a possibility
1: at all. Yeah, of course. I mean, they, like I said, they, they play really good team basketball. Like Jokic stands out and then everybody else just kind of falls into place where he, where they fit in around him. So, for me, it's it's more about what Jokic does in these next couple months and in, in, into the playoffs.
0: So, do you feel like this is one of those um, make it or break it moments for Jokic, in the sense that, yeah. hey, this if you great. really are the superstar that people have been claiming you are, you got to show it now.
1: Yeah, this is it. This is his um his MVP claim moment. <laughs> this is this is where he says. It's not Embiid, it's not LeBron, it's not anybody else, it's not James Harden, I don't even know why he claimed he's the MVP. <laughs> but it's, this is where he has to stake his claim at the MVP right here, right now, because with Jamal Murray out, that means the ball is going to be in his hands more than it already is. So he has to deliver for the he's remainder going, of the season.
0: Do you feel like he's going to, though?
1: I really do. His his game doesn't seem – it doesn't seem like he he stresses at all when he plays. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's mm-hmm. – he gets his numbers, but the way the offense is run, he also <clears throat> is going to make the right pass or make the right play. Like, he – I have faith that he's going to do what's necessary
0: that's fair I mean he in fairness to him he is having a career year he is playing some of the best basketball that we've ever seen I mean he's got a career high in the field goal percentage I believe points rebounds and I think blocks this year even though his blocks I think he's still if I remember correctly he's still under a block a game but it's still his highest number you know to this point in his career. Yeah. So he is playing probably his best basketball that he ever has. And he has a fair, I guess a fair shot to say he could be the MVP. But for me, without a shadow of a doubt, the MVP this year has been Joel Embiid. I know a lot of people are going to, you know, have their gripes with him, but Joel Embiid has played without a doubt, the most impactful basketball this year for any team out there. Without him, the 76ers are a lottery team with him they are a team that could potentially come out of the East.
1: That's a fair, yeah, that's a, a fair assessment. I do. My only thing with Embiid is just his availability. If it wasn't for that, I mm-hmm. might have a different answer for you.
0: That's fair. I mean, he has only played 37 games this year, so that that is a fair thing to say. But in those 37 games, he's another guy who's having a career year. I know he's having a career year in field goal percentage points. Uh, three-point percentage. I don't know if he's doing it in rebounding in blocks because I think there was like a year where he averaged almost 14 a game in rebounds. So I don't think he's doing it in rebounds in blocks, but regardless, he's still producing at a high level at those you know two statistical categories, and it's pretty outrageous how impactful he has actually been because we both know if they didn't have him, Ben Simmons ain't leading them
1: nowhere. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, you might as well scout for the draft.
0: <laughs> I've never, Mace, in my life, I've never seen a guy where it looks like he's scared to shoot, and he looks like he's scared to shoot.
1: Oh, definitely, man. It's, I mean, at least at least shoot, shoot five times, bro. Five times yeah. a game, just shoot.
0: I think that's what my biggest issue is with him, is that he is so supremely talented, But yet this guy refuses to do one of the most basic things on a basketball court that is required of the best player on the team, which is shoot the damn basketball. It's like he doesn't. It's like he hasn't figured out in his head yet, Mace, that, yeah, that shit's going to work in the regular season. But when it comes to the playoffs, if you can't shoot my guy, you have just become a detriment to your team
1: definitely like the 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 sound bite that um that he gave out the other day to reporters about how uh he put 42 on go bear or something (laughs) like that it's like it's like i i don't that has no bearing to me because you're essentially a point forward taking Mm -hmm. a, a true rim protector out to the perimeter and and taking them off the dribble like that's
0: you should be able to do that
1: yeah be able, you should be able to score, get to the basket at will because you can give him a little shoulder fake shimmy, something he's not used to seeing, and and get your shot off like that. That's I don't really find that too impressive because you're doing it against the guy who doesn't guard perimeter players. Like oh, like for instance, if he would have dropped 42 and Giannis was guarding him, okay, that's different. That's another, that's mm-hmm. a completely different situation. But Gobert is a complete rent protector and. You're bragging about putting forty-two points up on. Him.
0: It's like, ooh, big wow, ooh, Ben, you put up forty-two on him. Ooh, oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, hey, that's I, how you much know. they respect you that they put their center on me like that. <laughs> that's more of a detriment to to you as a player that they decide that it's better for their team to put the one guy that can protect the rim potentially mm-hmm. on a dude that's going to take him away from the rim just because he can't shoot and he can still sag off that's a that's a that's an indictment on your ability to shoot more than than anything
0: and i understand that the the detractors to what we're saying right the, the the sixers fans will tell us oh well you know he's still out there being super effective and da 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 cuz right they're getting caught up on the uh, on the regular season stuff but what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, and if you can't figure it out by now over and over, me and Mace both have the same standard. If you can't do it in the playoffs, all that stuff that you do in the regular season doesn't mean piss all.
1: Yeah, it's – the playoffs are different. When you have to play the <laughs> same team four times over the course of, what, eight days, nine days, or however long <laughs> the, the series is, mm-hmm. when a team has a chance to figure out, like – by that point, the team is going to be calling you out-of-bounds play for you, so mm-hmm. it's going to come down to you missing or making a shot, and for him, he's, he doesn't make shots, so what are you going to do?
0: I mean, how pathetic is it, Mace? This guy is still not even averaging one three-point attempt a game.
1: A game! I mean, he's got to shoot at least one, like, at least one. It doesn't It doesn't matter if he shoots the first shot of the game or, or whenever, just pick a time, like, just pick, pick a moment in the game and say, I'm about to just shoot. It, it doesn't matter. Just work on one spot, mm-hmm. whether it's the top of the key, the wing, whatever, whatever the case may be, just shoot one from that spot.
0: And see, here's where anybody that wants to come at us about it, right? Here's what I would say to them. Well, hell, isn't his trajectory supposed to be going up? Isn't he supposed to be getting better and more effective as a player? If that's the case. Why is he averaging less points than he has ever in his career?
1: I mean, Ben Simmons has been the same team his entire career. He's everybody wanted to make him out into a, a LeBron type playmaker because he's big and everything. But if he doesn't start shooting the basketball, he—I mean—how effective of a playmaker can you be if you can't even get your dude to guard you?
0: Him and Andrew Wiggins are the definition of the exact same guy from the day they came into the league till whatever point that they are now. <laughs> like him and Wiggins, their games literally have not evolved at all. Can you tell me where Wiggins's game has evolved, Mace? Because I
1: can't. No, it's no. Like I mean, <laughs> you you have seven footers come in the league, and within three or four years, they're starting to shoot threes. Like. Mm-hmm. Simmons, you got to he he got to start shooting, man. He's got to,
0: bro. I mean, for goodness sake, both of the both of the Lopez brothers can at least make a three now, like pretty consistently. Both of them, and you know, just like I do, Robin for all those years was never a skill guy. He was never Never. a go out there and get your buckets guy. He was hustle He was
1: was yeah, he was a hustle, rebound, defense, (laughs) and 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 garbage but he was gonna pick up the rebound off the ball off the ground and and, and make it happen Mm -hmm.
0: and he can make threes for you now so my thing with ben simmons is that at some point my man you got to step up to the plate because you will never reach the levels of success that you want in your career until you are able to consistently make a damn shot you have to be able to and i'm not even saying he has to make threes that's what people have to understand I'm not saying that. If even if he becomes the mid-range maestro of the year, right? Where this guy is literally anywhere inside that three-point line, he can pull up and hit a jumper in your face. Cool. But he can't that even would be
1: that. good enough. He I mean, can- look at the De- Rose, DeRoz- man, the Rosen makes a living off of 2s mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think I think there's something, something, some crazy stat about he has the highest one-on-one field goal percentage inside the three. Mm-hmm. of any player, of like any, I mean, not just perimeter players, it's like players in general, like one-on-one, he gets you on on the elbow or something like that and give you, gives you the head fake step back. He's probably gonna make it. You have to think he Dem- makes his living off of mid range shots. And it's like, you can still do that in the league. You don't necessarily have to be shooting 20, 25 foot jumpers.
0: Mm-hmm. Hell, you remember when DeMar was still in Toronto One of the knocks that people wanted to have on him was that, hey, man, you don't like it's great. You make all these twos, but you don't make no threes. And that that was understandable of a critique at that time, because that Toronto Raptors team needed him to make threes. Right. But what the 76ers need is Ben Simmons to be any type of a threat of shooting? And he's not that at all right now. Like, I mean, this guy is literally no threat. It's why in the playoffs, I can't wait to see what happens because I've had a lot of faith in the 76ers because I figured at some point he would start shooting, right? But he's showing me, nope, he ain't gonna do it. He just ain't gonna do it. So I don't have any belief in them. Uh, like, legitimately, I know we talked about this before, Mace, but I'm sticking with Milwaukee. I don't trust. I don't trust Brooklyn at all. Brooklyn can't get no stops. They can't stop nobody. They couldn't stop a nosebleed if they had a full thing of bounty in their hands. Okay, they couldn't do that. So,
1: when, when yeah, I, I believe after. After, I mean, like I said, I, I originally said, okay, I'm going to put my faith in Miami, but. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had a chance to like actually watch watch a little bit of basketball watch out what what what's happened since the um trade deadline and waiver wire and all that stuff and and mm-hmm. Milwaukee seems to be the best built team in the east right now
0: yep yeah, they are M- Milwaukee is a team that is they may not be the sexiest to watch every night, but they're built to win in the playoffs. They're built to beat you in the playoffs because they have everything that you need, right? Middleton and Drew Holiday are good enough star players to be supplemental for Giannis as the only superstar on the team, right? Normally, and, you you know, just like I do, normally you need multiple superstars. But because of yeah. the fact that they have two star players that are both very high level at what they do, which can supplement off of what Giannis says. They I I don't know how you beat them in a seven game series. They-
1: and don't yeah. and don't sleep on Jeff Teague as a backup point oh. guard. Like that that's a that's a solid move. Like your backup mm-hmm. point guard comes in and he can run the offense just as well as Drew Holiday. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna make the right play. He's not gonna turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. He can make an open jump shot. He can beat his man to the bucket. I mean they when you look at it, and and you look at depth and everything, I mean, even with with PJ Tucker there now, now you have a that man is a dog. You got a dog out there who's gonna make an open jump shot. He's gonna make his threes like he's, mm-hmm. he's what four. He's mid forty percent or something like that from from the corner threes. Like he makes I, his corner threes. I saw a weird uh,
0: this weird stat the other day where it was like basically talking about like. Um, the best corner three point shooters over like the past like five or six years. And yeah. I know like Clay was up there, but it, it was like in the top five guys, PJ Tucker was in those top five because he's a sniper from the corner. If he gets that in the corner open, he's going to knock it down. I know some people are going to say, well, he's been, he played like shit when he was in Houston this year. Well, I mean, What if he he played like? Like, like like, What are we talking about? Like they lost twenty something games in a row. We knew what it was as soon as James Harden was out of there. We knew what it was. We knew uh, even with Oladipo, he wasn't going to be able to lift them to another level. And none of us believed in John Wall like that because if we did, Washington
1: would have never traded John Wall. Yeah, that's. They they were reaching. I, I believe <laughs> that John Wall was a reach because I, wow, I think they. Great. I don't. I, I don't understand. you putting all these point guards in in a lineup with a ball dominant guard like James Harden. Like that was the the, the way that that team was constructed was was just terrible all the way around. Like. I don't wanna to go too far into it because it's just kind of off topic, but <laughs> the way that the way that, that team was constructed, I mean, from, from trading Clint Capella to trying to find all these three and D guys off the couch and everything, it's it's just that- I can't believe I any mean, I can't believe any Houston fan was ever like even remotely satisfied with the way that team was constructed.
0: I'll be honest, that was that Clint Capella trade was the one that made me stop believing that they actually were trying to win. Because as much as he wasn't a superb offensive value for them, the fact that he could switch on defense and not get blown by and be super effective and and still rebound the ball at a very high rate for them That was exactly what they needed out of that position. They didn't need another guy that could shoot. What they needed was them dudes that could shoot well for them to actually get more shots because James Harden was always out there shot! That was about it, man. So, you know, they didn't need to make massive changes. Hell, they should have kept Chris Paul. What they should have done was changed their offensive system because the problem was, was that even in that game that they lost to Golden State, right, where they missed the 20-something threes in a row, right, if their offensive system was different and it dictated that they decided to go get it at the basket that game, they would have won that game. But they were so just set in their hearts on putting up threes, and it cost them at the end of the day. Stupid. Yeah. Stupid. Very, very stupid, in my opinion. I I don't know what the, yeah, but that. But
1: I'm we're in complete agreement there, man. The way that they played basketball was just ridiculous.
0: But speaking on teams that are actually built to win championships, Mace, with the Lakers picking up Drummond now, do you feel like this makes them now the clear cut? they're gonna win the championship team. Or do you feel like there is still a chance for somebody in the West to maybe upset them?
1: In the West? I don't necessarily think so because now you can get back to that that bully ball that you played last year. Like you you now you can now put two seven footers on on the court again and they be effective offensive, defensive, wherever because Drummond's like a, he's like a brick wall on those picks. Uh-huh. You've seen this man set some picks. He's a he's a big into he's a big man. Like he's, I mean, of course he's seven foot two, whatever. But like he's a solid wide dude. Like you have him setting picks for LeBron, and it, it's it's, it's going to be ridiculous. Like once they once the Lakers are all on the court and and they can. Jail, and I don't think it's going to take a long time for him to jail. Like LeBron's one of those players that he doesn't need to play with you for a long time to understand what he needs to do to help you out. You know what but I'm does, saying?
0: But does it concern you that unlike Javel McGee and Dwight Howard, Drummond's a liability in that pick and roll, man? On defense, he's a liability because he, he, for all that size, he's not the most fleet of foot guy. You know, Javell and Dwight can both move their feet. So does it concern you that now, instead of having Javell and Dwight, a combination of two guys that have extreme athleticism, have always shown a propensity to be good on the defensive side of the floor, does it concern you that now, instead of being able to turn to them, you have to turn to Drummond?
1: I don't think so because I think they're they're so good as a team defensively. Mm-hmm. Like even with even with LeBron and AD being out, they've still had, if not the highest defensive efficiency that I'm pretty sure they've been top five this whole time. So I, I think they're a good enough defensive team to where his liability in the pick and roll won't necessarily be the reason that a team has a chance. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like a team isn't going to come down last five minutes of the fourth quarter me, and put Drummond in the uh, pick and roll every single time because it, it's the most effective way to score. I just don't see that being the case because the Lakers as a team play really good defense. So when you, if you see this guy has a deficiency in one area, I'm pretty sure they can compensate, especially with him and AD on the court at the same time. Because AD's rangy enough to show at the rim and, if necessary, go recover to another shooter somewhere else. It's not like AD's not going to get there. So you have your backup rim protector right there in case Drummond is put in that pick-and-roll situation. And and the thing I've noticed about him since he's been there, he's really good in those passing lanes. Like, he's got some quick hands. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're thinking of... of Dumping the ball back off to the roller, I mean Drummond might be there.
0: Well, that is a very fair point. But does it concern you if he were to get into foul trouble? Do you do you have that much faith in Montrez Harrow? Defensively he's no. really big. He's the only other big. There's not another big on that on that bench that you can depend on that's worth anything at this point. So it's between him and Harold, of who's going to be out there for you, right? I what think, happened? Drummond foul trouble. What happened then? What What do you do then?
1: Well, you got to think. There's only there's legitimately only two teams with a with a big man that that'll probably hurt you near the rim. You have Denver and and Utah. Cause I mean, Aiden, he's too he's too light in the pants. Still, <laughs> he ain't he ain't he ain't going he ain't gonna bully nobody at the rim.
0: But you so, don't to bully someone just to get him in foul trouble, though. You know that. Yeah, come out there and just blow the whistle on you real quick, and then you're in trouble.
1: But but I'm I'm saying that as far as like if Drummond goes into foul trouble, who are they going to put in there? Like mantras Harold, he's not. An individual defender, like I said, he's he's not. I'm not, He's nothing special. Nothing great. Not even a good defender, if you want me to be honest with you. But like I said, the 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 Lakers team defense has not dropped. See, this what Mon- I'm really trying to make you.
0: He, Montez he, is all energy. That's what he is. He's the energy guy. He's a guy where if you just need an injection, you know, one of those shot in the arms. He is the guy you put in because he's going to go out there and give it his all every night. With everything, uh, he I, said, got- I will say this though. I do still believe that the Lakers barring, you know, AD and LeBron coming back both healthy here. I do still see them winning the championship this year. I don't see anyone else being able to beat that team because they are too. They're too good as a team playing together, and then when you have the best player in the league and then a guy that's probably top five, top ten easily in the league, right? I don't know how the hell you beat that. I don't know.
1: You can't because, I mean, AD, he he showed the capacity to hit big shots. That's not a concern for you. If you get if the ball is out of LeBron's hand, I mean A D can it's it's just as effective mm-hmm. in in the final minutes of a game. So it's it's one of those situations where as as long as those two are on the court, it's really kind of hard to see anybody beat them.
0: I mean, when you have that type of freak athleticism, it's hard to go against that. And speaking of freak athleticism, I really got to ask you here, Mace. So we've all been seeing all this nonsense going on with Justin Fields, even after the impressive pro day performance that he had in his first one. And he seems to have had another impressive performance at his second pro day. So why in the hell is there so much of this talk about him sliding down the board for guys like Mac Jones, Mace?
1: People are stupid. (laughs) I'm, I'm just going to put it to you straight like that. People are stupid. You're trying to tell me that for the last three years, when Justin Field has stepped on the field, he's been probably the best player on the field. I mean, barring them having Chase Young at Ohio State um, the year before and, and two years before that. I mean,
0: even then, you have an argument for him. For over three years, he's threw nine it. interceptions. I believe it is nine. That's it.
1: I mean, it's it's ridiculous to think that how like how is this man falling on somebody's board? I mean, he went out there, and and what what has what hasn't he done? Only, the only knock you can say on him is maybe arm strength. But how often are you throwing it fifty yards downfield? But Mac Jones has the weakest arm of anybody in this draft. That is true. I mean, Alabama really didn't – Alabama tested you down the field because their receivers were better than your DBs. It's not like Mac Jones just throwing dudes open. Yeah, and
0: on top of that, how can you knock Justin Fields for being great, going out there, doing what he has to do, but yet you don't knock Mac Jones for having two of the best wide receivers we may have seen in college football in the past 10 years? And, and
1: another thing, like, everybody wants to – people people take stock over who you've played. I mean, who hasn't Ohio State played and Justin Field looked good against? You know what I'm saying? Everybody. Everybody. I mean, he he's done his part as a quarterback mm-hmm. out there on the field to say that we're not going to lose this game because of me. <laughs> if anything, I'm the reason why we have a chance to win. Uh-huh. So, so for him to to be sliding like this, like I said, all I can sit here and say is that people are legitimately stupid. Like, if the Jets go out and get anybody other than than Justin Fields, they're just gonna be they're just gonna suck for the for another ten years.
0: Yeah, you know, I was I was all on the Jets keeping Sam Darnold and drafting Sewell, right? But
1: oh yeah, definitely like.
0: It's, you it's have to message. give
1: this guy a chance because he's had nothing there.
0: Mm-hmm. But but it's clear it it's a happen. plan. You know, they, they've moved on. They sent him out to the Panthers. So we know that's not going to happen. They're going to take a quarterback. So you, you personally believe that even with all the talk of the Wilson hype and all this, you still believe they should take fields.
1: Yeah. L- listen, Zach Wilson – didn't play anybody, and the chances he got to play somebody, he lost. Mm-hmm. So why would you take a why would you take a loser over the dude that's that's out here performing on Ohio State when every everybody is giving Ohio State their all to beat them? Mm-hmm. This isn't just this isn't he 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 didn't play for Northwestern. He didn't play for nobody else. He played for Ohio State, where everybody in the Big 10 wanted to and had to beat them and they didn't get close.
0: But as a Michigan fan, my god am I so happy to see Justin Fields gone. I, he was a nightmare for us every year. Every year I was like, "Oh no, we still don't have a quarterback and they have Justin Fields." Cuz take this for me the Michigan fan. I've never been scared of Ohio State quarterbacks. Their teams that may be, you know, they their team may present a problem because they may have such a high level of talent. But their quarterbacks, man, they was out there throwing dudes like Cardale Jones out there. I was not worried about them. Then they got this dude,
1: and it was like, oh no, they have everything now. Oh no, right? And he, he came in and did nothing but prove why he needed to be their quarterback.
0: <clears throat> it's um, it's pretty, it's pretty outrageous how good he is the thing that bothers me the most about this entire Justin Fields thing is that you're just hearing all the old racial tropes that they're trying to use on this man again. And I know people always want to believe that these teams are doing whatever they can to win. Right. But that's not the truth.
1: No. And uh, just, just to add on top of that real quick. Um, I want to say it might have happened today or maybe yesterday with um, Trevor Lawrence coming out with that Instagram oh. post or tweet or whatever the case it was talking about. He's going into this without a tip on his shoulder, nope. blah, blah, blah. He loves football, but he kind of basically out there saying that football isn't the end-all, be-all for him. So that was – imagine if Justin Fields said that? He might be a second-day pick so if he said was- something like that.
0: That was in a Sports Illustrated interview that he did.
1: Okay, okay, okay.
0: um, No, you're right. You're 100% right. If Justin Fields said that football wasn't his end-all be-all, yeah, you're right. They might mess around and be like, he ain't getting picked to the second day, (laughs) Or or he'd have an Aaron Rodgers-like slide where all of a sudden he slides all the way to the back of the draft and he ends up going to a good team and then he makes everybody else look really, really stupid.
1: yeah. Yeah. But like I said, if he's not picked number two at the Jets, which like like you made the point, the Jets should have never even traded Sam Darnold. And you, you gotta give this man some help. I mean, he's had a different offensive coordinator every year he's been there. Adam Gase is is terrible as a coach. I mean, give this guy a give this guy protection or go out and give them a number one in Jamar Chase and, and see what you got. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I didn't because he, he's throwing he's throwing to to nobody's and he's got nobody protecting him. What do you
0: what do you expect? That's why I just didn't understand why they didn't at least see what they had here, right? Unless it is a thing where the GM has already got like kind of some ratings on the quarterbacks that he believes are going to be coming out next year and he doesn't feel like that any of those guys within the next two years are going to be as good, right? I can understand that then, right? But still, man, even if you draft a quarterback right now, that doesn't fix the fact that your offensive line sucks, that your skill positions suck, and that your defense sucks. That doesn't fix any of that. So to me, it would have just made more sense for them to say, we're going to keep our picks. We're going to keep Donald, see what he has, if we do a better job protecting him and giving him some better skill position players around him. And like you said, better coaching. Because Adam Gase is one of the worst coaches I have ever seen in my life. Ever. He look, if, Adam J, if Adam Gase ever gets a head coaching job again, you know this league is on nothing but bullshit because whatever team that is, you know they don't care about winning. Plain out and simple,
1: none whatsoever. Man, this man has done nothing but prove why he does not need to be the coach. Said <laughs> he's. Uh, I mean, every year you fire your offensive coordinator for what? You you got a young quarterback here? At least give him a chance to learn with some with one person. You know what I'm saying? Like. Give them and give yourself a, a give, like, give. They should have gave Sam Darnold either protection or a actual threat out at, in the skill position. The thing and right. been like, okay, you're on your fifth year option. Let's see what you can do, man. Do we got to figure it out?
0: Yeah, I, I just at some point you have to be smarter about the decisions that you make because, hey, I get everybody wants to have that, you know, that fresh quarterback and everything, but it's been proven over and over that yes you need that talented quarterback but you'll have much more success if you set up the core of your team before you have that quarterback in place you know why i mean look
1: at cincinnati Oof. they no, Bur- be- before Bur- they Bur- were Bur- getting burrow and all that they were um they were actually starting to build their offensive line. I mean, yeah, he, he ended up getting hurt in a in terrible injury whatnot, but they were they have a solid team. Like I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say Cincinnati is a playoff team, but they're not a pushover like the Jets.
0: <laughs> no, they're not. They actually played a, quite a few competitive games last year, so I have to give them their credit. I can't call them a straight pushover. But, again, this is why I think it's a better move to get that core in place first and then get the quarterback. Because you know why Kansas City and why Patrick Mahomes has been allowed to look excellent since day one as a starter? Because that team was already rip-roaring and ready to go. So all they had to do is was, oh, now we just need the quarterback that's gonna elevate us to the next level. And that's what they got.
1: I mean, you look at you look at a team like San Francisco, when healthy, that defense is terrible to go against. Mm-hmm. If they get somebody that can complete 10 passes, what do you do? <laughs> ten. That's that's it, just ten. Just complete ten. Yeah. Because Garoppolo can't even attempt ten.
0: So I think me and you both agree that if Fields is in place, the Niners, without a question, need to run to the podium and say Justin Fields. I think we both are looking at Mac Jones as a pick and saying, you got to be an idiot to do that. So
1: you have to be a complete idiot to pick Mac Jones <laughs> ahead of Justin Fields.
0: <laughs> so to not get stuck in the mud there, next in line are the Falcons. What do you think the Falcons should do with that pick? Should they draft somebody, or should they move out of the pick and try and get Um, more of an an accumulation of picks to build up? Because, man, they don't really have a good core right now either.
1: They don't have a good core, and they're in a bad spot with Matt Mm -hmm. Ryan's contract right now. Mm -hmm. you got an aging guy who's eating up a lot of your, your cap. For me, the best the best thing for them to do, I'm probably gonna have to say they they need to, if they keep that pick and go get one of those top two offensive tackles because I mean you can't move Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan's not a mobile guy. Nope. So you need him to stay in the pocket. So um, I would say um, Sewell or um, Slater from Northwestern, one of those two dudes. If they that would probably be the most logical thing to do because, like I said, Matt Ryan's not – his contract isn't going anywhere. He's only getting older. The best thing you can do for him right now is is keep him upright in the pocket.
0: But let's talk crazy hypothetical here, right? Let's say they go that offensive line, lineman and then they trade Julio so they can come back in and get – one of those uh, young wide receivers. Do you feel like that puts them in a better position to have a brighter future sooner? Or do you feel like they kind of need to ride it out with Julio and just see what they can do if they just build the rest of the team back up?
1: I think you got to ride it out, man. Because um...
0: Even if a team is willing to offer you, let's say, a first and a third. Let's say the pick's well... like 15.
1: That one okay? You might have to do because there, there's a, there's some pretty solid receivers in this draft. I mean, I'm pretty sure we'll they'll be picking receivers who are gonna make a, a an impact on their team year one, probably well into the third round. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? Like there's a there's a pretty fair decent amount of dudes in there who who if they go to the right team are gonna be effective year one. So in in that scenario, yeah, I, I would say hey. you I mean, I'm, I'm I don't doubt Julio's skill, even in his 30s. Like I'm 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 Julio all the way. But mm-hmm. given everything that that team needs, like you said, if they can if they can go get the protection from Matt Ryan and get back into the first round, and and maybe one of those, maybe one of those 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 um those high. One of those linebackers drop for them, or or they go secondary, or whatever the case may be. Their defense mm-hmm. is terrible. They so, need help.
0: So you don't feel like that they should go quarterback, no matter what. You don't think that quarterback is the right move for them in that pick.
1: I don't think so because at that point, who who's who's left? Maybe Trey Lance and Matt Jones. If you move back in into mm-hmm. the first round and you need help immediately,
0: but couldn't Trey Lance? But, but, but the, hypothetically, right, couldn't Trey Lance be a perfect pos, uh, position for them because they can let him sit on the bench for two years while they're, you know, hell, even a year and a half to let him sit there, develop like they want him to and build the rest of the team up? Because they're not going to be – like, it, it's it would shock me if within the next two seasons – the Falcons are actually a playoff team. It would shock me because they don't have the things that are in place. They need to do that, right? Their team has aged in a lot of positions. I mean, hell, they wasted Trufant's career for all those years uh, with, with as good as that guy is, man, he should have had more chances in the playoffs, right? Like that guy was a lockdown corner, but I, I don't know. I I think I really feel like they should go quarterback. I, I understand you're, 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 your logic, mates. Don't get me wrong. I get it. But I think it'd be foolish right now for them to pass up on the opportunity to get a quarterback because even though I don't think they're going to be a playoff team this next year or the year after, I think they're in that spot where I like to call it Jeff Fisher hell, where you're either going to be seven and eight or seven and nine or eight and eight. You know what I mean? I don't think because yeah. I think a, a big part of the reason they were – so bad this year too was they had a lot of injuries man they had a lot of guys especially in their defense go down early in the season and from there there was no recovery um but i don't know if a team like the falcons can afford to pass up on this opportunity to get a quarterback in place because you're not going to make the playoffs these next two years so you're still going to be picking relatively high you can still build up your team and add in more youth and then hell when you get Let's say two seasons from now, when Trey Lance is in there, you maybe are getting that last great year out of Julio, and you might be able to make a special run with that team. But if you're going to just stay, because I I, I I want them to build their core up, they do need to build their lineup. But I think they're in such a unique position because because of that Matt Ryan contract, they're stuck with him for probably like three like three years, right? He's probably going to be on that team for at least the next three. So why not get your guy now? So even if you got to sit Matt Ryan in the in in year three, right, or year you know a uh, uh, a season and a half in, you got to sit him. You at least already got your guy there, and now you can see can this guy play or not?
1: He's gonna have Julio and and Calvin Ridley. I mean, exactly every year in the league, Calvin Ridley really just gets better, Woo. man. I mean, it's filthy. I mean, it, it, it's 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 ridiculous, man. I mean, every year this man just gets better. And it's like, can you really single cover Julio to double Calvin Ridley?
0: Nope.
1: Nope. (laughs) And then at the same time, can you double Julio to single Calvin Ridley? Nope. Or or opposite or double Calvin Ridley to to single Julio? Like, you can't do either of those things. You
0: better be playing a bunch of
1: two-man. That's all I know. Exactly. You, you <laughs> can't, do, can't do either of those things. Those dudes have proven over the last two years that even with Matt Ryan aging and his mm-hmm. arm is, is becoming more and more of a wet noodle, mm-hmm. that they are still going to beat their man at on any given play. Oh, yeah. So – I, like taking into consideration the stuff that you're saying like yeah if, if for whatever reason that they can get back into the first round mm-hmm. i would say yeah or, or maybe they or let's say maybe they trade out of number four and get an accumulation of of a mm-hmm. mid first rounder in a couple of seconds and another pick in the, in the in the next year first in the next year something like that mm-hmm. i think if they if they do pick Mid, maybe like maybe somewhere between that like 12 and 17 range or something like that. I at that point, quarterback, I think, should be their number one priority. But at number four, you gotta go with one of those offensive tackles. They're just too good. I
0: I understand what you mean. Um, it's hard to pass up on great offensive linemen, right, like that, right? Because they're they're so Valuable on every damn play. That it's like,
1: man. It I think is- it was something like Stool. His his um. I think he allowed one sack and like three quarterback pressures mm-hmm. in two seasons at Oregon, and he sat out last year for COVID precautions. And and um, Slater, he's the he's the exact same way, I man. I think he. I don't even think he gave up a sack in in three years at Northwestern. That's so, I, mean, I mean. It's hard to pass. These dudes, yeah, these dudes are, are, are top notch. Like, if, if anybody's a can't miss in this draft, I'm I'm saying it's those two.
0: I, I don't disagree with you. I would just say another guaranteed, I think, in this is Justin Fields. I know it's hard to call quarterbacks, man, but that dude – he he just something there
1: there's something special about him, man. And I, I this is gonna be one of those Deshaun Watson situations where it's like how the heck did he fall there? And then when he gets there, all he's gonna do is ball.
0: Yep. That's it. That's it. He's just gonna ball out. Mace, think about this too with Sewell. The dude is only 20. Like he'll be, I don't know if his birthday already hit, but he'll be at max 21 this year. You have this guy for at least 10 years. It's going to be hard. I think the Falcons are going to be in the toughest position of anyone because they're going to have quarterbacks sitting there for them. Look, as long as it's not Mac Jones, okay, I think they're okay with whatever quarterback they could draft, right, Um, of the top guys. But – I think they're going to be in a really, really tough position to say: Do we take this tackle that we know he's going to ball out for us for ten years at least, or do we take this risk on a quarterback?
1: It's going to be hard, that, yeah. At number four, I don't. I, I hope they don't do it at number four because I mean that top five man. i just go, just go, best player. Like, I understand needs and all. Yeah, number one, you got, like, Jacksonville, they got a new coach, new everything. They they need a quarterback. Like, that's their biggest need. But top five, go best player and, and live with results. You got to.
0: You have to. You, you got to live with them. Well, with that in mind, though, with Mr. Sewell out there, and we're talking about the best player is a guy that always needs to be taken. There's a best player out there in a certain sport that you know what it's kind of crazy he hasn't really done anything for the postseason yet and I, if you don't know who i'm talking about i'm talking about mike trout because baseball is back now ladies and gentlemen and you know me and mace both partaking a little bit it's probably it's at best our number three number four sport but uh, for those questioning what the other sport may be uh me and mace get down with the soccer Okay,
1: we, we get down to Some Football, <laughs> we, and we here for
0: it <laughs> with the football. By the way, Mace. Speaking of football, brother, how does it feel with Chelsea? How did that feel this week, Mace? Listen,
1: did feel, bro, did it feel good to, to, to not only to not only knock out Atletico and then go out and and knock out the team and knock out oh. Uwe, Hey, man, I'm I'm riding a high right now.
0: So do you feel like now you guys actually could win it all or do you feel like the ride's about to be over?
1: I do believe it's about to be over only because we don't have a proven goal scorer. Like, we get our goals, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. there's, I mean, you look at the teams that are left. I mean, outside of, I mean, yeah, you look at Man City, they score with whoever, they don't care who their number nine is, they just score but mm-hmm. chelsea hadn't made it there yet they're not that team that can put out a false nine every week and just go to go to work they can't do but it but you, you don't believe in Giroux? <laughs> listen man
0: <laughs> dude it was crazy how hot he was at the beginning of the season that was
1: insane he has his spurts don't get me wrong like I understand he's not the the long term long term short term whatever but He has his moments where he gets hot for, like, four or five games. And and it's just ridiculous. Like
0: You're like, are you the best player on the planet now all of a sudden?
1: It's it's out of nowhere, man. It's it's literally out of nowhere. And it it sucks because he's not a guy that you can throw out there all the time. Mm -hmm. But the guys that you are supposed to throw out there all the time really aren't shining like they're supposed to. So you got to sit there like, man, do I put Drew in? (laughs) <laughs> or you just paid him 50 mil to get here. Like, he's got to go do something. Like, mm. it, it's a weird situation to be in to have a guy that, you know, if he got playing time, he would be consistent. I'm wouldn't Not good or great, consistent. If you put him in the right spots, he's going to at least get the ball on goal and, and challenge the keeper. Minimum. Mm. Yeah,
0: that is true. That is true. But not to get us too sidetracked. So, Mace. Baseball's back. You are traditionally a Yankees fan. Um, Have you consumed any Yankee baseball yet this year?
1: I have. And outside of Garrett Cole, their rotation looks terrible.
0: (laughs) I was going to, that was just what I was going to ask you. Have you seen how awful their pitching has been outside of Cole?
1: Outside, I mean, they sent Jermaine down to to a, what, a AAA assignment or something after seven it's, it's, it's just, they they brought in uh, Kluber off of Tom. I mean, they getting all these dudes with broke arms and <laughs> expecting them to, to bring their former glory back, like. Oh, it's, man. It's
0: ridiculous. Yeah, uh, the thing with the Yankees is that they have gotten off to this slow start, but the guys that they have on their team do have the ability to, if they can get it turned on, the Yankees will be fine, right? They will be a a team that is in the postseason and probably have some great levels of success. But talking about the Yankees, what I really wanted to ask you about is how, how, excuse me, oh my goodness, impressed are you with Sanchez's performance so far this year?
1: Um, it's a pleasant surprise because... Did you give up on him already? Before this year? Had you gave up on him? I did. I did. I mean, it was, it was, he was turned, for me, he was looking like one of those dudes that were, that just wasn't gonna find his, his, find his way through the darkness. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. it was just getting bad and it was just gonna get worse for him. Like, he... He just didn't seem like a guy that could climb his way out, and and so far this season, man, I mean, hitting wise, he's been he's been the the surprise for me on that team. Like, I expect Stanton and Judge to to either strike out or hit a home run. I mean, he just deal with it, <laughs> he, he, he just deal with it because when they're when they're hot, they're hot, but mm-hmm. you got to deal with the cold streaks. You you got to, but. To him to be hitting seven or eight and, and hitting with power and and making contact, not I mean, making contact, it's not a, he's not he as long as he doesn't fall into one of those home runner strikeouts, you can't you can't have three of those dudes in your lineup. <laughs> you can barely have two of those dudes in your lineup.
0: Like I'll tell you this much. I am starting to wonder if Gene Carlo is one of those guys where He might just need to be in the NL. Because you know how sometimes that happens in baseball, right, where all of a sudden a guy switches league and it's like he sucks terribly, he's awful, then all of a sudden he's back in the league he was always great in and then he's right back to doing things again (laughs) the way that you expect him to. I wonder at this point if that is the case with him because he's, he's batting freaking 175
1: right now, man. It's, it's ridiculous, man. But it's, it's not like even when, the Mendoza line. And then it's like when when this man hits a home run, it's effortless. But you have mm-hmm. to go. It's like five. It's like five strikeouts, home run. Five strikeouts,
0: <laughs> home run. It's like man. I mean, think about it for this year. He's got on the season eleven strikeouts, one home run.
1: But that one home run was... was oh, it was a monster. <laughs> it was a beast. It was, <laughs> hey, it was immaculate. But like I said, you, you can't have two guys in the lineup that hit like that. You can't do it.
0: No, no. No, it, it's, it's a rough go of it. It's why even with, um, you know, the bad pitching, it hasn't looked as bad as it could because guys like Judge have still... At least picked up their average. I mean, Judge at this point is hitting over three hundred. Um, you've got um, what the 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 Japanese uh, catcher, the Japanese catcher. I, oh, I don't yeah. want to butcher uh, his he, name. He gokey, he
1: yeah. I, I, I'm just solid butchering his name. He's and I know butchering. O- yeah,
0: he's hitting over three hundred. You know, um, Lemay Le-Mate, uh, I, I think that's the name. Yeah, he's almost hitting 300. Um, You know, Gardner's almost hitting 300. So it's like you've got guys that are out here performing currently. But I will ask you this. Seeing more of Glover Torres now, how do you feel about him?
1: I like him. I think he – I think for – he can be the the glue guy for that infield. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I mean, he—I'm not going to say he's spectacular in the field, but he doesn't make too—he doesn't make too many mistakes, or I haven't seen him make too many mistakes. Mm-hmm. And he's—he's he's a contact hitter that can that can give you power when you need it. Mm-hmm. So I—I'm—I I, really think the Yankees kind of struck gold with him after after Jeter retired. I mean, you, you kind of looked at that position, and you're like, dang, man, the Yankees are going to be abysmal there for 10 years after what you're they like, just had. And, if we uh,
0: if the Cubs just would have paid Chapman like they should have done in the first damn place, we wouldn't even have had to give y'all tourists for him, but that's okay. neither here nor there, right? I will say this with him. The thing that impresses me the most is that he's getting walks. A lot of young guys struggle getting walks. They're not patient enough to get the base on balls. He's been able to do that. On the year right now, he's got 12 strikeouts, but he's got seven walks. So when I look at that and I say, okay, he has a good approach to the plate. He may not be getting the results that you want just yet, but seeing his his approach to the plate,
1: man, that guy's going to be something. I'm gonna, gonna my, I'm gonna give you my crazy Yankee prediction of the year. Oh, let's hear it. The Yankees need to trade Stanton. Wow. And, and just and just and just um, go ahead. I mean, they they've got enough talent in the outfield that if they let Judge predominantly be the DH, mm-hmm. I really do. I really do think that. That hitting lineup would be a lot better because I mean Clint Frazier, he's he's coming up. Then you got Aaron Hicks out there; he's consistent. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, you could keep Judge in right field. Brett Garner's still serviceable, but like I said, man, with Judge with Judge and stand in standing that lineup, man, you got two got two dudes in there who are. Who are hit or miss? There's no other way around it. They're either hit or miss, and, uh-huh. and can't you? You can't do it. I mean, it, it's not yeah. like going to be one of those deals where like they just all of a sudden get hot in the postseason. It's like, man, <laughs> if that wants to happen, I mean, I don't know what you would do against that team. But stand, the stand, thing, stand, since he's been in New York, he's predominantly been a home runner strikeout guy. I mean, even even yeah. in the NL. But I mean, I'm pretty. He was hitting a lot better in the NL. But See,
0: the problem with with Stanton is just that he is the epitome of analytics baseball. When it comes to him as a batter, it is either going to be something spectacular or it's a strikeout, and that is not. I I know a lot of people don't get this, but there is such thing as a valuable out in baseball a sacrifice fly is a valuable out because it can either advance your runner into a, a better position to score or it can score your runner so not every out counts the same i've had um a friend of mine he tried to argue with me on this some years ago where he wanted to say that oh no all the outs are the same and it's like no a strikeout you can't advance the runner a strikeout you can't get a uh you can't have your runner run in from home plate and score a run 2 home plate. Excuse me. No, you're stuck. It's just a strikeout. You just got a damn out. That's it.
1: And think about this for a second. give out that situation of of um, trading Stanton. You can either move. You could move either Judge or or Sanchez into that DH. Sanchez on the days that he's not catching, you can move him into that DH. He's been hitting well enough right now to warrant a a place in the lineup as a DH if something like that was to come across. But doesn't you, you, you're you trying to tell me that there isn't a team out there that would maybe trade their number two, number three dude in the rotation for Stanton right now?
0: I'm sure there is, but do you think the Yankees are already giving, willing to give up on that? I don't know.
1: I, I would hope so, man, because, I mean, you, you, they've had enough time to see it, man. it's It's – Home run or strikeout, home run or strikeout. And if Judge doesn't, if Judge stays, if he stays up his batting average where it is, okay, that's fine. They could they probably manage it. But if Judge dips or if Sanchez dips, you can't have those two dudes and Stanton out there swinging for the fences and missing.
0: Well, speaking of guys that could swing for the fences, but they had a much higher success rate. That brings us to our throwback player of the week, Mace. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is my personal all-time favorite baseball player, Ken Griffey Jr. The kid, Mace, baby. The kid. Mace, what are some of your lasting memories and thoughts of the kid, Ken Griffey Jr.?
1: For me, sadly, it's it's those last few years in, in, in Cincinnati. You know what I'm saying? It's like mm-hmm. you you hear about what he did before the injuries and you, it was kind of, it was kind of like the same thing for me watching Kobe after the Achilles. Like, you know, that that lion's in there. He's just trying Mm -hmm. to limp to the, to the door to, to get out. And it was, it it sucks to see him after the injuries because I didn't did a little bit of my research, you know, and, and this man was on pace. For seven hundred home runs, over seven hundred home runs, Mm -hmm. and 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 over three thousand hits, the only person that has done that is Hank Aaron. So, my man was on pace to to stake his claim as the greatest of all time.
0: So I can tell you this, as someone who was living through the whole Bonds, Maguire, Sosa, Griffey era, right? Like, and and I was pretty much of age at that time, right? So, the thing about King Griffey Jr. is that I and a lot of people were convinced that he was going to be the one that break the home run that broke the home run record. Why? Because he had the sweetest swing that you've ever seen in your life. But those injuries killed him, man. He's another guy that we ended up seeing. The injuries just robbed us of greatness that we were potentially going to see.
1: Yeah, man, it was something, I mean. And, and, and also, like we like we, we were saying in, in previous episodes, man, when your legs go, man, you, you're on borrowed time at that point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, there's only so many jumps and in, in swings and dives and uh, and all this stuff. There's only so many you got in your body. Hell, Mace, you can, you can speak to that. You've been speaking to some of that happening to you more personally recently, right, where your body's been – a little bit
1: more rough. Oh, We're yeah. like, what the hell? hell oh, yeah. I was younger, bro. What happened? I used to be able to recover quick. And 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 another thing to speak on Griffey, man, I mean, as a center fielder, my man was – was he was Trout before Trout.
0: Uh, Mike Trout wishes he was the defensive center fielder that Ken Griffey is. Okay. Mike Trout was – Mike Trout is great. Don't get me wrong. Like, he is possibly one of the greatest baseball players that we have seen in the past – 50 years. That's how good Mike Trout is, right? He he could end up being a guy that goes down as the all-time great, right? Because he could end up potentially with having 3,000 hits and, 5, 000, and 500 home runs, right? His batting average, his on-base percentage, everything, it's absurd. But King Murphy Jr., not only could this dude go rob your home runs, but this dude was also, hey, don't think you're just gonna be able to run on me on a sacrifice fly, because I'll gun your ass out all the way from the fence at center field.
1: It's 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 ridiculous to know that that there's people out there that good. And, like I said, the injury injuries, man. It's it's the the worst. It's the worst, man. There's there's no other way around, mm-hmm. man. When when you see people that good get hurt, man. It's it's. It's terrible because, like I said, this Griffey probably had his his stake after he had his his claim to the throne of the greatest of all time. If he doesn't get hurt, and even with him being hurt, you look at it, you look, you go back and look at his career, and you're like, okay, who was better than him?
0: The only argument that people could give you is Barry Bonds, and my my counter to those people. He's like, look, man, I don't knock Barry for doing the steroids, but he did them, so I can't call him greater than King Griffey in my mind. I can't call him greater than Hank Aaron in my mind. Now, is he the all-time home run king? Not a damn doubt about it because there was a bunch of other guys out there doing steroids. There's been guys cheating in baseball for as long as baseball has been running, right? So I'm not knocking him and trying to hold some, you know, extra – uh, you know, it's extra standard for him only. I'm not saying he's like the only cheater, but if you're asking me for my opinion on who's the best, it's King Griffey Junior. Doubt. Yeah, man.
1: Nobody, Without a question, nobody can. Nobody can swing can swing a bat like him, man. It, it's. <laughs> I the swing, even Emma. even in even in his his later years, the swing was still there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, like I said, like just, I said, if you you knew the lion was in there. He was just limping to the door. You know what I'm saying? Like you knew, <laughs> you knew he was there.
0: Yep, yep. I, I you know, um I, I'll tell you this. So I got to see Griffey play like three times in person. I never got to see him hit a home run, but I got to see him mash the hell out of the ball and. There's only a couple guys that I've seen in my life where I'm like, the bat, the ball just sounds different coming off of their bat. And in one day, I got to see two of those guys, and that was him and A Rod. The ball just sounded different coming off of their bat. And you're talking about this was at the time, uh, Mace, when the White Sox still had Frank Thomas. Yeah. So it wasn't like they didn't have their own great power, but like the ball just sounded different coming off of those guys' bats. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> I don't know who who can reach that level of stardom as a baseball player now. I don't know. Because baseball is in such a different place in our society that I don't think that we'll ever see another star the level of people like the Griffies and the Bonds and stuff like that at baseball. Because look at Mike Trout, right? Mike Trout's, like I was just saying, possibly one of the greatest baseball players that we've ever seen and yet he can literally walk around in public and nobody knows who the hell he is.
1: Pretty much, man. I mean, sucks to say it. I mean, <laughs> un- unless you just I mean, unless you wait for opening day all year, <laughs> Mike Trout could walk up to you tomorrow and you probably, hey, bro, what's how you doing? My name's sitting, such and such, you he'd be a regular dude.
0: Yep. And and hell, he could even tell a lot of people his name is Mike Trout, and they'd be like, Oh, it's nice to meet you. They wouldn't even know who that is. They would have no idea that he's got the richest baseball contract ever. They would never even know.
1: It's ridiculous, man. I mean, I I don't know if that era of baseball is over, because I mean, we're we're one home run r- race away from from maybe a couple guys hitting stardom. You know what I'm saying? Like if if out of mm-hmm. nowhere two dudes from the NL or AL, just decide that they're going. They're hitting sixty-five plus this year. Who knows? We might have another. There might be another huge pop of stars, uh, baseball stars. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't seem to be likely.
0: <laughs> Probably not. Not at not at this point. Not at the point that the game is now. You know, because you. you not only do you need like supremely talented hitters, like that are power hitters, but you also need them to be guys that are high average hitters, guys that are consistently making great contact with the ball.
1: You know, like, you've got your, and
0: there's just not a lot of those guys in baseball. So right you've
1: now. got your Altuve's who are who are high average hitters who who might get you 25, 30 home runs a season, but it's like, ah, eh, okay. But let let that. 300 hitter hit 5560 <laughs> you know what i'm saying it, now gonna, you have a point it's gonna it that's gonna be a a the draw that baseball needs to get another superstar like if once they they need that that one great hitter or maybe even two two Who? just just to get just to make it interesting who's gonna be the one this year who's gonna be the one this year
0: So hypothetically, so if Mike Trout – so you feel like if Mike Trout went on and had like a 60 home run season, he might be able to get to that level.
1: I I believe so, man.
0: That's fair. That's fair because, you know what, Giancarlo did become international when he was potentially chasing down the home run record. So that is is a very big possibility. But ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to thank you as we do each and every week for sitting here taking your time with us and listening to Inside the Cage Sportsball. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be back next week. We're going to hit a little bit more into the draft because we do have some teams that are behind those uh, four teams that we did discuss at the front of the NFL draft, but we'll be back with that and all of the hot NBA stories from the week and anything else that hits the news wire that we love. And hopefully we'll have some great stories for you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you as I say each and every week. I am your man, Jerome Span, and
1: this is the one and only legendary. It's your boy, Mace. You know, I'm always here with the hot takes.